This is the Steve Zabin Show. You don't know what the hell you're doing! On the Team 980 and theteam980.com. What the hell is he doing? Here he is, the Zabe. Since we are off into the wild and not bound to just talk about sports and ERAs and draft picks, and there's nothing else going on, I am learning so much more about these murder hornets. And it is fascinating. Both ways. They're not unbeatable, Scott. They can be dealt with. In fact, Japanese honeybees know how to deal with them. Basically, they boil them in their hive. Here. Got a minute 38. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let the audio play. I'll narrate it as well. These Japanese bees do not attack. Instead, they lure the scout inside. They're like, come on in, murder hornet. Still, Hi, bee. bees hang fire. Then one is caught. Oh. It's the signal the others have been waiting for. Oh! Oh, it's on now! They are just attacking. They did. They wait. Unfortunately, one per, one bee has to be the one to get eaten by the murder hornet, mm-hmm. and then the rest of them are like, "That's it! Jump him! Jump his ass!" <laughs> Why don't you just jump his ass when he's already inside the hive? Maybe the murder hornet knows to quickly fly out that he's preoccupied with eating Carl. Worker B number 10,1673. It's got a little name tag, little B name tag. Yeah. Hi. Carl. I'm Carl, father Hi. of 71, and I've uh, got 71 stings as well. Murder hornets like, oh, Carl is so good. Because remember, these uh, murder hornets are meat eaters. They eat other animals. They're not sipping on flower stamens and stuff like that. Uh-uh. <laughs> I can just imagine. I mean, you can't even see the murder hornet anymore. There's so many bees on it. Sting him! Sting him! Sting him! Ow, Bill, that was me. You're stinging me. Oh, sorry, man. I thought I was stinging the murder hornet. No, watch where you're watch where you're poking that thing. For God's sake, it's my ass. Right. <laughs> sorry for not sharing with you, Scott. I'm going to go ahead and retweet right now, so you can find that atop my. Twitter feed at Zabe, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, sure. Echo. Tag me or I'll but go right to your video. Surrounded by vibrating bodies, the hornet at the core of the bee ball begins to overheat. Oh, so they're not even stinging it. This is how they, this is how they basically boil it. They That's just smother amazing. it pretty much. The bees yes. have the advantage. A heat tolerance two degrees above that of their enemy. At 40 Celsius, the aggressor is roasted alive. Roasted alive. Alive. It's 115 degrees for you and me, by the way, buddy. The wild bees have spent millions of years living with the enemy. That's why they alone. How about that? Nature, y'all. Ah, it's something right there. D- dogs, brah. That's now that's amazing. the. That's the uplift. And by the way, I never thought I'd root for any bee, ever. But the uh, 
you got, you got to root for the underdog B against the big, bad, new B on the block. B Mitch, but, sure. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, other, the, the bookend to that video is of a murder hornet attacking and killing a live mouse. Ugh. And it's not pretty. This hornet looks at it and says, I could take that. I could take that mouse right there. Sure. Looks like a whole Watch meat. this. What I need to know is, can it sting and use its mandibles to bite, bite, bite? Does it have both? I think it does. It seemed like it was stinging the mouse, and that was causing the mouse to go into painful convulsions as the toxins coursed through its tiny mouse body. God, that's graphic. Well, just saying. And then it took its uh, mandibles to try to dig into its fur and chomp, chomp, chomp. Somebody said on Twitter, yeah, yeah, murder hornet. I'd I'd take care of that murder murder hornet with one crisp rolled up newspaper. (laughs) Good night now. Just make sure you get it, because if you miss, then you're going to be worried about it. Yeah, they, I heard they antagonize easily. Actually, I haven't heard that at all. But the, just the fact that they're hanging you out. You just assume and, that they yeah. do. Yeah. Hello? Look at this. Yeah. The bee ball. The overheating bee ball sounds like the worst massage trick ever. Oh, honey, have I? Have, can I interest you in the, in the overheating bee ball? What? Mm, exactly. Yeah, right in my lower back. Text window, 330-99, Zabe. 907, Carl taking one for the team, taking one for the hive. Gotta love Carl. 570, murder hornets can't hit the curve. <laughs> Apparently, okay. Uh, this one, uh, 240, sports without fans is like sex without the girl. You can get, You can get a result, but nowhere near as good, in my opinion. Well, you're not wrong, but do you play baseball games in the shower like most men? Good God! Didn't think I was going to go there today, but okay. Just saying. I, mm-hmm. I hear you. We all want fans. We want the roar of the crowd. We want the excitement of a full stadium. All the sights, the smells, touches, the feelings. Ah, easy. But if we easy have to cigarette. play these games... Right, if we have to play these games in front of an empty stadium, then that's what we're going to have to do. The problem is nobody can agree on what's safe. What's safe? That's the toughest thing. I saw somebody say, but if one player tests positive, we're going to have to shut it all down again. And I thought to myself, is that realistic? Is that reasonable? Is that going to be the standard? Because if it is, you're setting yourself up to fail, you know. This thing is out there. We have over a million confirmed cases. They estimate easily 10 times as many that we haven't caught. So there's 10 million now. There's going to be 30 million minimum by the time we're deep into the summer. So you're telling me if one player who is at very little risk of negative outcomes from this. I mean, this is not my opinion. This is the numbers that they have found with the spread of this thing and, and who's most effective. The under-60 numbers, uh, uh, you know, it's very small. You're going to take one guy positive and say, that's it, we're shutting down the whole league again? I don't know, man. That's well, a tough call. The... Who's going to have the balls to come out and say it? Like, you know what? There's going to be players who test positive, and we're going to list them as – 
so-and-so out COVID-19. And he's going right. to quarantine, and he's going to get treatment, and then when he's healthy, he's going to be back, and we're going to press on. I'm not sure any league is ready to come out and say that publicly because the mood is not there yet, but maybe it will be come June 1st. Maybe the prospect of a $50 billion loss from an entire lost season will sharpen the mind. You were going to say, Scott. What about the stories from the Tony Baselli's of the world? Now, I know he's not a player any longer, but he's somebody who we believe was in decent shape and is certainly under 60. What happened to him? um, He he was five days in the hospital with COVID-19. This goes back a couple weeks ago. Actually, this goes back to the beginning of April. Says, I guess Mm -hmm. the thought that there's no way that this story is supposed to end up here, he told the Florida Times Union, it's nuts. I never felt like poor me or why me. You get sick, it happens. But the fact that I was in the hospital with coronavirus and crazy thoughts are going through my mind is like, I can't believe this is going on. The worst was my second day in ICU when they're upping my oxygen levels. That was probably the lowest, scariest moment. Um, former NHL enforcer George LaRock also. Uh, Edmonton Euler, um, his story came out, I think, Zabe, within the last couple days that, yeah, he had it, it developed into pneumonia in both lungs. He said sure. this is the worst thing ever, and George yep. LaRock, nowhere near 60. Right. When I say the risk to under 60 is very small, I mean the fatality risk, the complica- yes. the getting at risk and or it being very bad risk is a bit more than that. It's still, from a raw number standpoint, these are the anecdotes with, hey, I know that guy, or hey, that guy seems healthy. But we don't report on when X player from, from Y League goes to the hospital with pneumonia for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. No, that and by the way, LaRock is uh, asthmatic also. I should I should read that into the record. Okay. I don't know if Baselli had any pre-existing anything. Not sure. Yeah. I believe karmically I should just say and tweet every day, I'm sure this thing's going to kill me. I'm sure this thing's going to kill me. So that way then nobody, when I <laughs> do die, add. can come back. I don't want anyone coming back and dunking on me, you know, if if they perceived me to be somehow dismissive of this, which unfortunately so many people hear what they want to hear in their own filters and they don't listen to actually what is being said. I'm not saying this is not serious. I'm saying what is the plan going forward? What is the level of tolerance? How are you going to negotiate the notion of, yeah, it's potentially bad, but this here and not doing this is also very bad in a lot of other ways. And, you know, sports is just one component of society. Um, it's, of course, our business. It's our livelihood, and it's a huge industry. But uh, everyone's going to have to negotiate that. I just don't know how baseball or the other sports are going to do it. I, I do agree Mike DeCourcy today writes a column, Sporting News, and, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a DeCourcy fanboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like him a lot. You like Smarty Mike. He writes well. Um, he says basically uh, – you know, sports should not be folding up seasons. He thinks that that goes against kind of what sports is about, and I echo that. I mean, I, I don't, like, because there's reports that a number of people in the NBA and NHL are, are pressing to say, just fold the season. Like, it's not worth it. It won't be legit. It's too much hassle, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, he's like, no, not now. And I agree. I think, I think the date to fold it all up doesn't come until July 1st. That's the first date that I think you should fold up the NBA and the NHL. Baseball's separate. Let's put them aside. The NBA and the NHL 
can easily just flush the rest of the regular season because there is only, what, 12 games left or something like that? Maybe less in hockey? So you flush the regular season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no big deal. Um, Many of the teams that are already well underwater don't even want to play the rest of the games, so that's easy to do. And then if you start a playoff you know, a playoff in the NBA or the NHL August 1st, and you run it for two months, you might have to truncate some of the series to five games or whatever. That's legitimate. That's great. We'll take that in front of no fans. I speaking for myself, I'd take that in front of no fans and you don't even really impact your following season. Not to a huge extent. You could still then return to your normal schedule. Hockey would be a bit more impacted because they start, what, training camps in September? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, thereabouts, yes. I would, I would say, if I'm these leagues, I would say we have to try to do that. If for no other reason than to take a stand and to say, well, we did it. It was not perfect. You want a championship, here's a banner. You can have a parade. You can have people say it's not legit but it was as legit as could be done that particular year, and we settled it on the ice and on the court. And maybe you even lose a little bit of money with all the extra expenses and precautions and give-backs to the networks and the fans not being there. I'd say do it. As long as it's not a ton of extra money, i say do it anyway. But that's just me. Not everyone agrees. I believe that sports is about perseverance and finding a way, and that should be at the macro level as well as the smaller level. Odell did Beckham see, Jr. is yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Did you Sorry. did you see Windy over the weekend? As in Brian Windhorst talking about the pod idea or the biodome for basketball, and then you know kicking around the Walt Disney World thing, and what he mentioned. And I mean, th- this is this is real. You said I don't know what's right because I I don't know how to find it, but they do have they hopefully find a way. So if the Lakers are grouped in one hotel or one division with three or four other teams and somebody comes down with it on the Lakers and then all of a sudden a small roster is affected, then that division just sort of gets lopped off and isolated because they will all have been exposed. Is that fair? Is that does that qualify under your fairness yeah. idea? And it's it seems like a no it's win. A tough one. Get, no, it's it's that's, that's not you're fair. right. You're right. That's a tough one. Four four three players Zabe should not be listed as out COVID. HIPAA protects folks from that, but like the rest of our rights, that too seems to be suspended. Um, I do believe players are listed as out with ailments such as the flu or pneumonia or other stuff. So is this particular virus sacred that you can't say that they have it? And speaking of, oh, we can't do that. You know, I just saw a tweet. Apple unveils what a coronavirus tracking app would look like. And I said to myself, <laughs> looks like an app I won't be downloading. But good. Let me know how that thing goes. And what's Quick what's break, right text thing, windows open. What's that? What's the right, you know, oh, oh, like our rights. Wasn't the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia just supported in what he can do? I know a lot of people have issues with oh, our rights, our rights. They can do stuff like this in time of pandemic. You may not agree with it, but I don't think it's. Uh, well, this is going to all these all these measures are going to be challenged. They're being challenged in, in yes. courts across the country, and we'll see what the judges say. And then, if you don't like the outcome, there's going to be political movements to say we got to change this. So Amen. We'll see. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. Three three zero ninety nine Zabe Odell Beckham Jr. is ready for a big season, but. 
is he crazy that he can that he thinks he can recapture his former glory with the Browns? That's next. Don't go away. Now back to the Steve Zabin Show on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. Odell Beckham Jr. said recently that he expects to have over 90 catches this coming season and 12 touchdowns in a big bounce-back year with the Cleveland Browns. The subject of some really go-nowhere trade rumors uh, before the draft, uh, Beckham could still be, if healthy, and he had hip flexor issues last year, if I recall, that he played with, or was it abdominal issues? Hip and groin, Something and he went was... surgery. He had surgery for it yeah. in January. So, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see it. I mean, I, I think he's a bit of a wackadoo. But what do I care? I, I like his highlights are fun to healthy. watch. Yeah. I mean, just one year, I'd love to see the Browns be this 14-2 and two team that's the talk of the league. Just one year. Just let them get it all together. Let them be super exciting. Let all those years of wasted draft picks finally come home. But I'm not sure I see 90 and 12 for good old Odell Beckham Jr. this year. Hey, I got some audio. You know that uh, documentary on Showtime called In the Water? No. Prince George's County breeds kings in the paint. This tweet from Showtime Sports. It is going to air on the 15th of May. That would be uh, next week. Sounds like. like. Um, Here's a quick clip from Showtime about all the basketball talent. Week from Friday, has delivered. Every summer, just about every day, you know, we was playing outdoors on that blacktop. As soon as I woke up, I was running downstairs and going to the court across the street from my apartment building. We got that competition early Kevin Durant. On. It was very competitive. For me, it was a young kid. Jeff Green. Walking on the court with a bunch of grown men. And you had to go in there and prove to... Oh, it's cool. They got vintage uh, young Jeff Green video and a grainy camcorder there. Love it, man. This is very cool, actually. The older adults that we belong on this court. <laughs> you can virtually ride in, in Walt Williams. any basketball court in many neighborhoods would be packed. I love basketball so much. It was like an amusement Steve park. Francis. You learn something every single day from somebody. First of all, you better get into court early. If you're not there now, Adrian Dantley. You might not play until 11 o'clock. And if you lost the game, you might as well go home. <laughs> we were playing. And it got like too Jones. Dark. There were no lights. Guys that drove would turn their headlights on. <laughs> so we could finish a game. So if you lose and, Demar you, Johnson. and you're not good, you know, they might say you're not playing no more. So that sense of urgency, you know, was always well, there. You fought to the death almost. I mean, there was definitely blood. Game point was going to take 15, 20 minutes. Like, you were going to get fouled. The county definitely gives you a tough edge. Fighting to hold your spot, being able to stay on the court with a bunch of grown men and and holding your own. I mean, everybody would say that's everywhere. But for us, we live by that. That's great. Basketball County in the water on Showtime debuts Friday, May 15th. Good stuff. I think next week we'll try to get on some of the uh, principals there involved in the documentary. That'd be awesome. 
Uh, other people making appearances include uh, Michael Sweetney and, oh, my God, I'm just scrolling through. The late Morgan Wooten yeah. was in there. Uh, you mentioned Mike Jones, Quint Cook of uh, the Warriors and this area. Also, the the executive and associate producers, they, they, they got a lot of people to contribute to make sure that this happened, and I'm sure it's going to be absolutely awesome. Oladipo and KD and Quinn Cook, among many, many others, uh, forked over to have their names attached to this to make sure it got done. Right. Uh, Patrick Ewing told Dan Patrick today that his Dream Team Olympic gold medals were stolen. Damn. What? Don't you think they wouldn't have much value if you're bragging about, I guess they're not personalized. You could say, no, it's not Patrick's. It's his, um, uh, Bill Sisnitsen, the uh, fifth trainer. He got one, and I found it on an auction on eBay. Sorry about Patrick's, though. This is totally not his. What's the market, Scott, on, on collectibles that are rare, that are, like, clearly hot? That's stolen a good somehow. question. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to fencedebay.com. I, oh, it's not coming <laughs> up. Sorry about that. Right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's too bad. But, you know, for a, lot of the, for a lot of athletes, they've got so many things and rings and tokens and tchotchkes and whatnot. We'll talk more about this at 5 o'clock with uh, John Auran from Sports Business Journal. But ESPN Plus, their digital-only offering, subscriber base has risen to 7.9 million in the second quarter. That's up 20% from quarter one. Now, that's small potatoes compared to the bigger picture of ad revenue and uh, everything else involved with actually broadcasting games. But there's one little sliver of... uh, of hope there for ESPN. And then there's this tweet about the KBO last night. It's May 5th, 2020, 1.50 in the morning. I'm watching the KBO and avidly rooting for the Samsung Lions, plus 130, yelling yeah. at Ja Wook Koo for missing a fastball right down the middle. <laughs> Let's get ready to gamble. Let's get ready to gamble indeed. Coming up, DMV Sports Desk with Scott Lynn. Don't forget, you can listen to this show a variety of ways, including on 95.9 FM here in D.C., as well as on the Team 980 app. And we're happy to be on now in Richmond at our ESPN Richmond affiliate, 99.5 FM and 102.7 FM. Scott's update coming in just a minute. DMV Sports Desk on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. This year, Radio 1 celebrates 40 years of informing, inspiring, and entertaining the community. The D.C. Lottery and the Team 980, 95.9 FM team up to give you a chance to win the exclusive 40th anniversary Radio 1 Scratcher with over $800,000 in cash and prizes. Keep it right here for your chance. In with the latest tweet from baseball insider John Heyman a little bit ago. Baseball executives have not apprised the union of any particular proposed starting date for a season. And at this point, the sense is that July 1st rumor could be on the optimistic side. It isn't ruled out, but it isn't close to a likelihood. Anyway, Frank Gore, who turns 37 in about 10 days, has signed a one-year deal with the New York Jets. Marshawn Lynch last night on Scott Van Pelt Sports Center on ESPN said that his agent is in talks for a beast mode possible return to Seattle. Eli Manning tells SiriusXM that Daniel Jones will be better in Manning's absence. This is me being gone. He's the quarterback. He's the guy. It'll be good for him to have that control and authority over the receivers and the offensive line. 
Rafa Nadal says he'd just as soon call this tennis season and look ahead to 2021. Tells reporters he's more concerned with the Aussie Open than with what happens later this year. Quote, I think 2020 has been practically lost. This report brought to you by ExpressPros.com. Need to manage a changing workforce? It's time to get to know Express Employment Professionals. Visit ExpressPros.com to find one of over 830 locations to help support your workforce needs. DMV weather, 57 clouds in Silver Spring. Chance of showers later tonight and overnight, upper 40s. Rain, upper 40s for your Wednesday. Nobody really knows what time it is these days. Make sure you're waking up with Kevin Sheehan, his show from 6 to 9 these days, Monday through Friday. Doc and Galdi, 9 to noon. B. Mitch and I from noon to 3. And The Zabe Show takes you home 3 to 7 on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. More The Zabe Show on this Tuesday as we continue live from the 95.9 FM Team 980 studio. Zabe, back to you. All right, thank you, Scott. Our pleasure to welcome on now Tim Kirkjian from ESPN covers Major League Baseball. Tim, good afternoon. Good to talk to you. We don't get a chance on this show very much. How are you? Well, I'm okay. A little weird. I'm healthy, though, so it's family, and let's hope everyone is healthy there, too. Amen to that. So what would you make of last night's Korean baseball organization debut on ESPN? Well, uh, I must say I didn't watch it, um, but I am on the show tomorrow at probably 6.30 in the morning to try to help out with the analysis or whatever. Uh, I think it's a great idea to put these games on. I think it gives us an idea of what baseball looks like again, what Major League Baseball could look like again without fans in the stands, you know, with people with masks on during a game. And I think it's a good idea to see how this is working in another country. And if it works there, there's no reason it can't work here, assuming it's safe enough to work here. Somebody tweeted out the basic hierarchy of baseball worldwide, and you tell me if this is on the money or a little bit off. MLB, of course, at the top. The NPB, which is Japan, second. AAA in the States, third. Then Korea, the KBO, then double A, then high A, then the Taiwanese League, the CPBL, and then we're talking low A ball. Does that sound about right? Uh, I would have to go over that again. But yes, that sounds about <laughs> Roughly right. Roughly speaking. They play a, okay. Look, they play a very good brand of baseball in Korea, and we've seen players come to this country and do exceptionally well. We've seen. Players like uh, Eric Thames, who go over there, resurrect their career, come back here, and do awfully well also. So, And they play more of a major league-style game over there than they do, say, in Japan, in that the Japanese are so defense-oriented. They are so fundamentally sound. They bunt, they move the ball around, they put the ball in play. In Korea, it's much more like it is here where guys are trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. The defense isn't stressed as much as maybe it should be. But it's it's a really high brand of baseball. We're not watching, you know, some, you know, double-A, I mean, Division Two baseball teams here. These guys are good, man, and they know how to play. Mm-hmm. 
Tim Kirkjian, ESPN Baseball, at Kirkjian, that's K-U-R-K-J-I-A-N underscore ESPN. Nice enough to join us here on the Zabe Show, Team 980, Team 980 app, 95.9 FM. Tim, is is Rob Manfred, are Rob Manfred and the MLB powers that be watching this for, for ideas, or is it such still a, a separate entity, virus attacks when it wants to attack, virus moves when it wants to move, that, that they're like, all right, congrats, we're glad there's content, enjoy it. Well, yes and no. They're, I think they're watching every inch of this to see how this works and could it mirror how Major League Baseball's going to work. We do know, it seems at least, that Korea's numbers are way down when it comes to the virus compared to the virus numbers in the United States. So that's what has to come down before we're going to get to where the KBO is right now. But sure, every every game, every inning gives you a glimpse and a little bit of a clue as to how this works without fans, all sorts of things. So Major League Baseball is extremely interested. And, of course, they're extremely interested if people are actually watching, even at 1 o'clock in the morning. Because mm. if they're interested in watching the KBO, when most people don't know anyone who even plays in that league, that implies when Major League Baseball comes back without fans uh, that the ratings are going to be good. But we've got Dan Straley and we've got Matt Williams, and there are other stories, Tim, that are certainly interesting to, to people of the of the National Capital DMV area. Yes, I mean, I I think it's great what we're doing here. I, I'm all for watching baseball. There are stories everywhere if you're going to look closely enough. But it's the playing of the game that's the most important thing, and I, I just hope we get to that point. I'm still confused, though. I just got off the phone with somebody who really believes that we are going to play uh, by July the 1st, and he believes we're going to have spring training starting June the 10th. And he's guessing, he's speculating, but he's not just doing this without any sort of you know, idea about this. He's being told along the way, these are possibilities. My concern is how many roadblocks could get in the way between now and, say, an opening of spring training on June the 10th. Mm-hmm. Any sort of outbreak changes everything, and that's why it's so hard to get anything firm out of this. Well, not to be macabre, Tim, but what date would the MLB season die? In other words, what is the absolute end of the road where you're going to have to fold it up and say we couldn't do it? Well, I've asked that too, and I haven't gotten a definitive answer on that. What is it, 60 games? Is it 80 games? I think most people would look at you and say 80 games is a representative schedule. It's better than nothing. You win the World Series after an 80-game season. You you deserve it, that type of thing. The problem is if we don't start on July the 1st, but we find a way to start on August the 28th, what do we do then? Do we just play some March Madness kind of tournament right to the end with everyone involved? Or do we say, all right, we're going to expand the regular season. We're going to go into into December, maybe into January. And now you're affecting next season. So I'm not buying any of that. That doesn't, that's just too late. I think there has to be a drop dead date that if you haven't played by August the 15th and there is still danger out there, you might as well just say, all right, this was a lost season. Everybody loses in every way, but it's better than forcing something that just isn't going to work. Yeah. Nothing, uh, no easy answers there to be sure. 
Where do you think the players' minds are these days? What are they telling you? Well, this is just a, a random number guess, but my guess is that 98% of the players are going to play no matter what you tell them to do. Now, if there's a quarantine situation where you're going to keep you away from your your loved ones, your family for four months, I mean, that's unacceptable, and I think we'll go a different direction than that. But I think 98% of the players, I'm making up that number, are going to want to play. They want to play. They want to get paid. They want the game. They know the game is going to help the country. So let's go because not everyone is the richest man on the, on the field. Not everyone's making right. 20 or $30 million a year. These guys need to get paid, and just as important, they love to play, and they're not doing themselves any good by sitting home. So I think the players are going to go along not with anything that is offered, but with most things that are offered because I think they want to play and I think they want to get paid. So essentially what you're saying is that the Biodome option – is probably not going to happen, almost certainly. I, Nobody's even talking I, about Biodome anymore. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I could see three different states, Florida, Texas, and Arizona, making this work. I could see the divisional, I mean, the regional setup, three divisions with 10 teams each. I could see teams trying to play in their home ballpark as long as their state is willing to allow that. But that's when it really gets tricky. Let's say all those teams in California are being told, no, you're not playing any games in your home ballpark until 2021. What do we do then? Just when you come up with a decent solution, a decent idea, like a thousand roadblocks immediately set up. And that's where that's why I am still concerned about this is so many things could still go wrong. All right. Exit on a somewhat happier thought. I assume because I know you play basketball, Tim, and you love the game. I assume you've been watching the last dance on ESPN. Question, is there, in your mind, a 10-part baseball documentary on a player that you would love to see, a la this, with Jordan? Uh, Well, at this point, I would love to see anything on television that is sports-related. Because right now, because I don't have any other interest in sports. No, I of don't course. think there's a baseball player current, of course, that matches as Michael Jordan. Jordan. Right, yeah. because Michael. the big difference is Michael Jordan touches the ball on every possession. He affects the outcome of every game. He's the best player on the court for every game, whereas Mike Trout, who is the closest thing to Michael Jordan, is one of the greatest players I've ever seen, and yet he doesn't dominate a game on a nightly basis like Jordan does because he only bats four times a game. He might get walked twice and not even catch a fly ball. So that's why there's a huge difference between baseball and basketball, and I just don't think you can dominate a sport uh, like baseball, like you can in basketball, because of just the inherent differences. Someone said if you wanted a single documentary on a season or a team that the 70s Oakland A's had a real reservoir of interesting characters. Would you agree? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, yes, Reggie Jackson by himself, um, by the blue, Catfish Hunter, all those guys, Dick Williams, the manager for a couple years, 
and they won three championships in a row. So sure. And they, and Charlie Finley, of course, leading the way. Yeah. That would be a great eight part documentary on how that team won. You could do that with a few other teams, by the way, but the A's were not, not only really good, but they were controversial and they had a lot of character. They were fun to be around. Yeah. The handlebar mustaches in the soundtrack would be phenomenal for such a documentary. <laughs> Tim, we appreciate your time as always. Follow Tim on Twitter at Kirk, G-N-K-U-R-K-J-I-A-N underscore ESPN. And uh, we'll see you back on the baseball beat before you know it. Thank you. Okay, Steve. See you later. Bye. Tim Kirkjian from ESPN on a variety of subjects. Could you do Biodome Light where you tell the players, bring your families. We're going to be in three places. We're going to be in uh, Orlando. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have a baseball stadium in Orlando. They, be in they Florida. Have, there's fields. There's fields because then they yeah. used to do like a little league-ish thing there. I don't know how where the fences are, but I, uh, I, mean, I thought they did. But what if basketball's used? Well, let's just say Florida Walt Disney World. Well, that's the thing. Let's just say Biodome Light, which is we're going to be in three places: Florida, Texas, Arizona. Bing, bang, boom. We're going to fly you between the three on a once every two weeks basis. Bring the kids, fully sanitized. Testing, precautions, you name it, uh, consider it a unique summer. It's not quite locking you in away from your family for an extended period of time, but it's a more controlled situation. What if you fold up this season and say, well, we'll just eat it, we'll take the loss, we'll be back in 2021, and then there is a rebound about the same time next year. Let's say it's not as bad, but it's still not good. I mean, you could run yourself into losing two straight seasons, which is extinction-level event for some entities in the game. I don't know. A lot of suboptimal options there, but they're going to have to wrestle with it and figure it out. All right, text windows open, 330-99-ZABE. have yet to get to any of your texts. Thank you for chiming in. It's your way to directly interact with the show. And we do appreciate it. We'll talk to our friend John Oran later in the show, Sports Business Journal. There's some interesting uh, stories going on. And straight ahead, I want to talk about what it is about ES and take you off of the very show or the sport you're covering. And then they give you a new contract. It must be nice, but hey, good for them. I'm not bitter. I'm envious. Makes any sense. We're back after this. Now, it's the news that matters to Zabe. Step right up. Step right up. Oh, it's the subject matter I'm sure you're familiar with. Whether it matters to you or not. All that matters is power. This is the Daily Zabe. Brace yourselves, America, for some potential mind-blowing news. On the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Daily Zabe brought to you by HealthNetics. Get your HealthNetics today. Rest assured, you've got 100% money-back guarantee and 20% off by using promo code TEAM. We start Dateline London. You've got to be kidding me. Neil Ferguson, the lead epidemiologist for the Imperial College, who was the lead sort of voice saying, hey, man, this this COVID thing is going to be really, really bad and predicted upwards of 2.2 million deaths in the United States if nothing was done, and almost 500,000 deaths in the U.K. if nothing was done. Neil Ferguson has been caught 
busting quarantine to have sex with his married neighbor. No! Not possible! Yeah. Yeah. He has resigned from his position at the uh, Imperial College. Now, I'm not saying that his models suck. Some would. <laughs> I'm not saying models are expect to get expect to get super close. All I'm saying is, bro, when you come out with something really scary and you're like, yeah, man, we need to shut stuff down, and you're out there like we need to social distance, and then you have a married woman travel across London to come be with you and to bow chicka bow bow. I, the, the memes from this, Scott, including stick figures in the sexual positions with arrows of 1.5 meters and other things like, wait a minute, I don't think this is possible, are absolutely hilarious. I don't know how somebody was able to uh, crack this case. The married woman that he's with, she's all right, but, boy, that's got to be awkward there. So I just go to the Costanza rule on this where I'm sure uh, Mr. Ferguson is going to say, should I not have done that? The point, uh... It's come to my attention that you and the cleaning woman have engaged in sexual intercourse on the desk in your office. Is that correct? <laughs> I love George. His eyes, his eyelids blink rapidly. He's thinking. And he's stunned. He's like, okay, how do I answer? Who said that? She did. <laughs> Who said that? She did. He licks his lips like, oh, boy. Was that wrong? <laughs> Should I not have done that? I tell you, I got to plead ignorance on this thing because if anyone had said anything to me at all when I first started here, that that sort of thing was frowned upon. You know, because I've worked in a lot of offices and <laughs> I tell you, people do that all the time. Unbelievable. Do as I say, not as I do. You littles adhere to these rules and I'll just do what I want. That should be Bad form, man. By the way, in 2002, the same guy, Neil Ferguson, predicted between 50,000 people would die from mad cow disease, actual number 177. In 2009, swine flu, he said, 65,000 in the U.K., actual number 457. And his original model with this thing has been uh, way on the high side as well. But then people will say, but that's with no mitigation. That's with no shelter in place. Okay, whatever. We know this, Scott, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. Put is undefeated. Pandemics can't stop the undefeatedness of that. No way. Not even for a guy going, I'd love to do this. I'm under a lot of stress right now like everybody, but I can't because I'm a pretty important guy in this whole thing. Well, apparently couldn't couldn't back off. He needed his curve flattened, and he got tired of doing <laughs> it himself. Whoa, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Very well said, Scott Lynn. I like that. Uh, Dateline Golf. Apparently, someone has said uh, to Hank Haney, I guess a tour player, I think it's uh, uh, Adam Hadwin, doesn't want to return to the tour if they're going to make players putt with the flag stick in with some sort of retrieval device in order to make it more safe. And somebody said, well, nobody's going to miss you. If that's the case, you're some scrub. Nike's going to donate over 30,000 pairs of shoes 
to health care workers. There's already a cool little picture I see of a Nike shoe that looks like it's already designed for hospital workers, health care workers, that's got all the cushioning in the right places. Uh, that's pretty cool, but good for Nike uh, for doing that. Charles Davis is joining the crew at CBS Sports. He will team up with Ian Eagle yes, to make sir. a formidable number two team, right? To Jimmy nice. Nance and Tony yes. Romo. Yes, sir. I like Davis a lot, and I think Ian Eagle is absolutely one of the best. Remember when Elon Musk said, I'm selling all my houses, will not own a home, in his oh, yeah, perhaps push-induced blaze? Well, mm-hmm. several of his properties have gone on the market. Of course, I'm looking at how many properties he owns. It's quite a few yeah, I'm sure. in L.A. He just welcomed the birth of his, is it his first child or multiple? Mazel, mazel. Good things. The kid has... Uh, an interesting name, Elon Musk child name. Yeah, it's some mathematical here. formula. I saw this, unless people were joking. Uh, his girlfriend is named Grimes. We went through this. She's right, a yes, the Canadian singer from exactly. Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, baby's name is X A E A twelve. Yeah, A minus twelve. Sure. A-E is Ash, so it may be pronounced that way. But X-A-E-A-12 quickly became a, became a trending topic on Twitter. Uh, it'll be his seventh kid, by the way. He had six with his ex-wife, Justine Wilson. It is his first with Ms. Grimes. He, put a, a, he sent out a picture of the baby, and he put some fake tattoos, photoshopped them on there. Of course One of them says savage. Savage under her eyelid. <laughs> okay. I'll look for that license plate at Disney World. A E. What is it? A X A E A dash 12. Are yeah. there any rules, oh, by the way, on naming your children? Meaning, will the state officially recognize a dash or an oddball character? Or right. something else. I have no idea. And, and do they call it X for short? Do they call it license plate? Because that's what this name looks like. No, no. Um, and then there's this. The social media craze du jour is the pee your pants challenge. Oh, I already did yes. that today in the studio. Oh, well, record it? Because if you didn't record it and put oh. it on the internet, you didn't do the challenge. Just people looking stupid into the mirror. Filming themselves, peeing in peeing their, pants. their pants, including the girls that want to get in on this. Yeah, Scott, these are our future bosses. These are our future leaders. When we're on the porch, retired, on our tiny fixed income after this financial tsunami, we're going to say to ourselves, "Don't worry. This generation, the generation that brought you the pee your pants challenge, they're in charge. They've got the world by the tail. We're in good hands." Good Coming good up, Johnny Auran, Sports Business Journal. He's up next. You're listening to the Zane. 